the Staff and Graph podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. Inlinks are salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome to the Staff and Grab Podcast. I'm Mike Stevens. This is Rachel Dory, the future first female GM in NHL history. Um, Rachel, crazy stuff is happening uh, in the NHL lately. We were on Chikrin Watch um, for most of the weekend. That was a lot of fun. Um, and what's crazy is that, like, you know, while the, while the rest of the world thought that the Super Bowl was the biggest thing in the world, obviously, uh, you know, the, the status of a Arizona Coyotes defenseman obviously took center stage. Um, first of all, what did you think of the Super Bowl? I'd like to talk about that before we get into Jacob Chicken. Um, um, I just want to say that all of the mommy influencers on social media, um, there will never be a pregnancy reveal as unreal as Rihanna's at the halftime show yeah. last night. Like that is, you are not topping that. Don't try. And also like shout out to freaking Rihanna to put on that show whilst oh, pregnant. Yeah. I was like sitting there and I'm like, remember when Serena Williams won? I think it was like the U S open while she was pregnant with her child. Like the feat that it takes to be able to perform at that level level whilst carrying a life is it's like it's absolutely incredible and she put on such a great show so that was awesome um yeah like i i it was one of the best super bowl games uh i've seen probably since the falcons patriots super bowl yeah i I gotta be honest the um the Patriots Eagles one. Oh yeah, that was with good the too. Philly, with the Philly special, I mean that was pretty fantastic. I mean that that felt like Tom Brady getting dethroned, and then he you know won one with the Bucks, <laughs> and then he was like kidding, and now he's posting and thirst just, traps and like sending uh, women into oblivion. Listen, listen. If I was Tom, if I like, if I had Tom Brady's body, and I just got divorced from my supermodel wife, and I just retired, <gasps> like I'm, I the like you would have like the thirst traps that I would be sending. Are, would be like next <laughs> level. Like it would like it would be impossible. It would be like unwatchable. The thirst traps. You would just sent. constantly do not blame- be sending my sister thirst traps. Yeah, exa- exactly, exactly. <laughs> Keep in mind that this will likely go up on Valentine's Day. So I just want to, and it's it's her birthday. So I want to wish I want to wish uh, uh, Rachel's sister happy birthday and uh, Valentine's Day. Can't wait until we're spending <laughs> those together uh, in the future. Uh, she's a fellow Aquarius uh, queen, as you know, all three of us really like. We, I was gonna say, like, yeah, I'm. Me, you, I'm also sister. an like, Aquarius. Yeah, you know, I got my birthday coming up in like four days. I'm not looking forward to that. Anyway, um, where are we going with this? Yeah, the Super Bowl, like the game was f- unbelievable. Obviously, like refs had to ruin it. Like, again, okay, so I have a question for I, you, because you and I, yeah. like, okay, I watch football for gambling purposes. You watch football because you like football. So we. Yes have been vocal on this podcast about how, like, murder is legal in the NHL playoffs. Yeah. And then I see a lot of discourse on Twitter last night about how, like, that call changed the course of the Super Bowl. Now, I think by the textbook definition, and like James Bradbury would tell you himself, it was holding. 
But he I'm, literally said that. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of people say like, oh, we don't want them to call that. But what I think is the actual truth is players just want you to be and fans want you to be consistent. If you're going to call mm-hmm. all of if you're going to call that holding, like I would rather it be called tight, but you need to call it across the board in the same way in the NHL. Like we're not asking you to call the obvious like we're just we literally are just asking you to do your job. And so I think that there's like this kind of discourse around like see what happens when they call penalties that's not what we're asking for we're asking for a consistent bar across Mm -hmm. like is that not kind of the right way to like am i on the right track here yeah you're absolutely on the right track listen you're not allowed to like for example this is the first thing that came to mind when i thought of this is like look you're not allowed to set a pick in hockey but it happens a million times a game especially in the playoffs and so to then choose game seven to to not only call that but then take a, a goal away from the toronto maple leafs like i like i tweeted like you might as well have just thrown justin hall out there to set a pick like in the aftermath of that uh of that call and so the thing is too with that is like we've um because i see everyone being like well, what do you want them to do do you want them to call everything or do you want them to you know to call I want based them on to be consistent i don't think that's a lot to ask you've also spent our entire <laughs> sporting lives you know, being being conditioned that you know, as the to the to being conditioned to the the unwritten rule that as the games get more important, like as the importance of the games heightens, the the rules become more lax, and so then for like the defining play with like a min in the two minute warning of the fourth quarter of a tie game in the Super Bowl, for them to decide to call what is a a, a bit of a ticky tack penalty, like yes, it's likely holding, but like. Millions of players get there away with that. There is holding on every the O and D line every single play. Every single play, and specifically with that, like yeah, he kind. But like even with that, like look, you can technically call that holding, but like that's not like no one would be upset if if a ref missed that. Like that was very border. Yeah, like, we're as not borderline talking like this is, this is not the Saints uh, situation. Oh, and don't even as a Saints yeah. fan, like don't get that. That drove me into a mental like. I, I, oh my I God, was don't your even friend when that started. happened. You were unwell. <laughs> I am I am very mad. I'm like all the time about that. Anyway. But yeah, um, I think the, yeah, the grander point here is like we're not asking for no penalties or all the penalties. We're asking them to pick a side and be consistent so that everybody knows where the bar is. And so like yes. the example you brought up with the Leafs in game seven, if you want to call that, I'm okay with you calling that because that's textbook yeah, interference. Yeah, that's fine. As but long that as you're you calling need to call it consistently, it every single time. Yeah, that's what that we're means. Saying. You can't. You can't. You can't decide like, oh, now is going to be when I call it. Like now is going to be. Yes. Like you. You can't. You can't let that slide. You can't call jay. You. You can't let. You know, if you're a police officer, you can't like let everyone jaywalk and then and then just randomly at one point you go, oh man, yeah, no, you're, you're five hundred dollar ticket right there. Like you can't do that. That's not. You know, it's and and the thing that sucks too, and the thing that really annoys me about this. Is that like Super Bowl was inc- was this was an incredible game like oh, legitimately like unreal. What I loved about it it's it's legitimately the two best teams in the league, the two most complete rosters 100%. in the league, two of the best like a quarterback who's just like who is now in the middle of his prime, who could, who is like the future of the sport, who has changed the sport, who could who could when all is said and done dethrone Tom Brady as who the is best also football on literally one leg. Exactly. And and then on the other side you have a guy in Jalen Hurts who 
He, you know, he's been underrated his entire career. Like Travis Kelsey is the guy was like, no one believed in us. You know, like it, it, he was the guy on Twitter was like, and they told me Steph Curry couldn't shoot, you know, that kind of well, like, guy. To be, to but be like, fair to Travis Kelsey, like I think in their conference, they were absolutely believed in. But like the amount of people I saw being like the Eagles are going to win by a touchdown. I was like, man, that's really disrespectful to the Chiefs. Like, you can't be doing that. I saw so many people waxing poetic about the Eagles, talking about, and rightfully so, the only places that the Chiefs are better than the Eagles are are, uh, tight end and quarterback. Like, those are the only places, really, that they're better. And so I saw a lot of people taking Philly, taking Philly, and like, okay, fair enough. But, like... At the same time, you're still the second best team in the league. Like nobody's counting yes. you out. And yeah, and so like if anyone has, what I was saying is if anyone has the rights, or I guess like sort of has, has earned the right to to act that way, it's Jalen Hurts because he, you know, he got like he got benched in the in the friggin' for like Tua. national championship game for Tua. Like you know he got he you know that caused him to get drafted in the second round instead of the first. You know everyone's counting him out even after like a bit of a rocky. You know, he can't, he comes in like bit of a rocky, you know, like rookie year. He, oh, he comes in the middle of COVID too. Yeah. Like, like that was the COVID draft. Like, and yet, he, you know, he, and then even all throughout the season, Rachel, and this is me being, being, you know, speaking about the, you know, inside football, but like all throughout the season, the Eagles were, you know, they, they were basically undefeated throughout like the first like 13 weeks oh my of the season God, I until so Hurts got hurt. Eagles this year. They were incredible. And, uh, uh, but like all throughout the season, people were like, Jalen Hurts is a system quarterback. Jalen Hurts is a system quarterback. You put anyone in there, and and they'll be able to run that offense. Anyone. Like, literally, that is, if anyone has the opportunity to say they counted me out, it's Jalen Hurts because he had to hear, he was putting up an MVP-like season all year long, and yet the only, like, he was getting, the only sort of, like, conversation surrounding it was pundits going, like, yeah, but, you know, anyone can do that. You put Gardner Minshew in there, he'll do it. And then, and then look what happens. Jalen Hurts gets hurt. You know, he and he he has to miss time. He misses two games, and suddenly <laughs> uh, they have to they they have to put Gardner Minshew in there. They lose both those games. The offense doesn't work nearly as well. He comes back in, boom, they're in the Super Bowl. Like it's so he he's fantastic. It was everything was aligned. You know, it was just an incredible game, and yet we're sitting here talking about the refs. I hate it. We should be talking about this being an all-time classic Super Bowl, high scoring. Tight till the very end. Two teams playing at the best of their Jared abilities. McKinnon and we're made sitting like here. a fantastic play too to like not go in the end zone. Dude, there was the longest punt return in, in Super Bowl history yeah. that like legitimately made my dad like I was worried for his heart. <laughs> like he was and he doesn't even have a rooting interest in either team, but he was losing his freaking mind. And like and yet here we are, sit, we let off the podcast talking about the refs. I hate it. Yeah, I don't Re- do refs I don't love it. Referees in sports do not deserve you know rights. That is my platform. What's so funny is, so I was watching the Super Bowl, and as soon as I had like not paid attention to the officiating, like I had been looking at the lines and like all of the math that I I do, as you know. But then I saw that it was Carl Sheffers, and immediately mm-hmm. I was like, oh no. And somebody I was watching the Super Bowl with was like, why? What's wrong? I'm like, I'm going to tell you right now. Game has not started yet. I'm going to tell you right now. There is going to be at least one call that everybody talks about, whether it's a pass interference or at at a time of the game and whatever. And then that call happened. And like the person just looked at me and was like, 
you nailed it. Because it, it's just, it's, there are a few officials in every sport, like the, in the NBA, I don't watch the NBA other than like for gambling interests and like Steph Curry, LeBron. And I know who some of the officials are. That's not a good thing. Like I should not know who those people are, but here I am. I know who Scott Foster is like yeah. Tony, Tony brothers. brothers. Like I know who these guys are. And so like, that's just, it's never good for the sport when, when that's the case. I mean, referees are human. They are going to make mistakes, but oh my God, like at least in hockey, I understand to a degree, but in football where it's consistently stopping and starting, like review it. If it's within the last two minutes, you should be able to review penalty calls. Like you just should. If you're going to, if, if yeah. it's going to change the outcome of the game, I'm not saying do it the entire game, but like the last two minutes absolutely should be a review. And if they get it wrong, they get it wrong. Correct it. Because what you don't want is people going, oh, KC didn't deserve to win because they played really well. Oh, KC played, well, both teams played incredible. Like, and the thing is like the O-lines of both teams played really well. The defense, there wasn't a sack. Yeah, the defense in was not totally participating in the game last night <laughs> yeah but like but that's what makes football great and yet do you have any idea how how insane it is to explain why you can't review penalties to like to how annoying it was or not annoying but just like like difficult to explain to my mom why you can't review penalties oh man like she, she does not understand sports at all like literally not at all and she she is based it's like if you dropped an alien onto the planet and made them describe sports that would be my mom's level of knowledge about sports and so for me to be like (laughs) yeah exactly that's why we're so great together and uh and so like it's me trying to explain to my mom like oh yeah you know sometimes refs are like it's a mistake refs are gonna you can't review it because it's subjective and everything like it's It's uh, crazy anyway hockey well we kind of talked about let's talk about some hockey (laughs) um yeah so all like i teased at the start of the show all week we have been um on Chikrin Watch. And finally. So let me let me let me take you through a series of events because this is why like this is why I I'm not an insider. Rachel's made also made that very clear to me many times through text. She goes, You're a reporter, not an insider. But every once in a while, I have the ability to, you know, like every once in a while I'm able to, you know, dig through the old Rolodex and and maybe get some information on something. Well, and you know, you know what Having- bugs me about this whole thing is like whenever you report something that's like quote unquote insider stuff. Everybody immediately assumes that I was the one that gave it to you when I literally have not given you anything ever because I've been trying to avoid that. You, I don't think you guys understand. <laughs> like Rachel, Rachel has never, ever given me a scoop. She will like Rachel's gotten legitimately mad because don't think I don't ask. Like, don't think I, I don't blow up Rachel's phone all the time, you know, like to be like, what do you know? Tell me, tell me. And yet she's she'll like she'll just be like. Literally F off. You are a reporter, not an insider. But with Chikrin, I, you know, I was able to, and like, I don't even, I will learn a lot of things, but even then I like won't tweet it because I'm not confident enough in it. The smart. Like, I don't like, I will, I will hear things, things that I trust, but I'm not, I can't fully like, I can't without a reasonable doubt, you know, in, in, I can't put it in a court of law. And have it stand up with a reasonable doubt. And the last thing I want to want to be is get dunked on by the entire friggin' internet for putting out something like a false report. So I just go like, okay, fine. Like, uh, uh, like I'll just I'll just hold on to that, and then things happen. Like for example, 
I, I, I heard that the Oilers on that, on the day in the, like in the, uh, on Saturday morning, I heard that Ken Holland was just canvassing the, the market for, for a defenseman. But I did it like, like actively looking for one, but I didn't like, as he should be exactly. But like specifically on Saturday, Breaking like news, he was actively Ken Holland is doing his job. <laughs> exactly. But like specifically like on Saturday, like yeah. I, like I heard like he is like there, you know, he is really looking like they've amped it up a bit, but I didn't I, like it just the circumstances of that weren't com- like, I didn't feel comfortable enough to like put that out there. Um, and so I didn't. And then literally like, you know, two hours later, Chris Johnson goes like, oh yeah, I heard the Oilers are connected to Eric Carlson, which we'll get to. Um, and stuff like that. But with the Chikrin stuff, I did have enough. Like, this is one of those rare opportunities where I felt confident enough to put it out there. I had been told that the Leafs are in active pursuit of Jacob Chikrin. This also mirrors something that you said on the podcast, I believe, last week, where you're like, you know, there's a non... I think you said, like, 75% chance you'd put it or something. Yeah. Or you, you, yeah. And so... And and the source and, and, like, just... I felt confident enough to put it out there. And then Bruce Garriach, or Garriach, however you pronounce it, basically echoed the same thing. And then literally, so I, I, I tweeted out, I'm like throwing caution in the wind. I'm, I'm covering the Leafs game against the, uh, the Blue Jacks in the press box. Say next to my boss, by the way. Um, so that adds an extra level of stress. And then uh, uh, so put it out there. And then the intermission happens 10 minutes later. And Jeff Merrick goes on national TV and debunks it. Now, Oh, he hasn't been I'm, traded yet, so that's technically like still exactly and also i do think that again we we've had jeff merrick on the show we love jeff merrick we're big we're jeff I merrick talk stands. To Jeff like almost every day and i don't think he's, i can't even remember the last time we actually talked about hockey like we're just he's friends. actually my biological father <laughs> if you if you i'm not sure if you know this but he's actually my biological oh, father i'm not sure if you know um and i do think that the leafs were gaslighting jeff merrick a little bit there um because every like i i because in that report, it was, okay, like, ev- basically every team that's been in on Jacob Chikrin, rumored to be on ja- in on Jacob Chikrin leading up to this, now that he's being held out, suddenly no one's in on him. No team is going to want to go out there and, and and confirm, yes, we're in on him, and then potentially right, get that Right, but it would have been to, irresponsible for up. Jeff to, to go, go, out there go and, to air and be like, I can confirm this, because he couldn't. And so, like, from a journalism perspective, like, he did the right thing. Oh, absolutely. And, and kudos, like, Arizona's done the right thing. They have held Jacob Chikrin out to protect the asset. And to me, like, I look at this, the LA Kings seem to be the front runner. And they have oh, been yeah, the front are. runner since I was employed by another NHL team. So to mm. me, what does that look like? Well, they're not including Byfield or Clark. Both Elliot and Jeff reported that. That lines up with what I've heard, and it lines up with the things that make sense. Yeah, with what they should Now, do. Michael Fuda and Mark Unetti, Mark Unetti is still there, have done a fantastic job of stocking the LA cupboard full of prospects. So there are uh, many avenues, but then Elliot and Jeff reported that they think the trade hit a snag, and they were talking about a contract that needed to be moved the other way, that wasn't a principal part of the trade. The principal part of the trades here are the futures, so the picks and the prospects. If I were to throw a name out there that I think Oof. would be part of this discussion, it would be Matt Roy. 
Okay. Um, that's a that's a good because, piece. So the reason I say Matt Roy is like, it's been reported that like they've looked at moving bodies off of the blue line because especially mm-hmm. if you're bringing in Jacob Chikrin, right? So you've got um, they have a lot of right-handers specifically. Yeah, you've too. got Drew Doughty, you've got Sean Dursey, you've got Mikey Anderson, Tobias Bjornfoss, Sean Walker. Yeah, like you just. There are a lot of defensemen, Jordan Spence even. Um, and so if you're making a trade with Arizona logically, you're going to have to send somebody back in order to fit Chicken in the lineup and also not like tank asset value. And I think Matt Roy is kind of a good fit because from a money perspective, um, that helps as well. Um, could it be Sean Dursey? Yeah. Could it be Bjorn Fott? Yeah. But like, those are not that's not enough money going the other way. Like I could see there being money exchange in the same way that like if if the Leafs are going to acquire Chikrin, like Kerfoot or Engvall is probably going to have to go the other way. Like that's just how you have to make money work. Um. So, yeah, that's my best guess. But like this kind of leads like should t- more teams hold players that they're trading out of the lineup to manage that asset? Oh, like, yeah. The NBA does it. It happened to I like I specifically remember like it, the Leafs got burned on this in like 2015-16 when yes. PA Parento got hurt literally like the day before the deadline and then their most tradable like deadline asset that they were going to flip just poof like it just be, rendered useless. Right. And I'm not don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you should be sitting like the trade deadline is still a couple weeks away. I'm not advocating it's that still you like, sit a guy for yeah. a month. Don't get me wrong. But if things are moving in that direction, you need to protect the ass. Definitely keep those guys out. Like definitely. Like to me, so Luke Shen right now is banged up, right? He left a game. He came back questionable here, questionable there. Like that's an asset that if he's going to resign in Vancouver, then like, fine, you can, I, I wouldn't risk it like in terms of playing somebody injured, but like if they actually do intend to trade him, he should not be anywhere near the ice surface right now, because if he does get hurt, you can't trade him. And I think the same goes for kind of anybody as we get closer to the deadline. Like you see it in the NBA where they just, just straight happened. up. We're like you over there. You sit down. Don't even show up today. Like, well, it like a trade almost just de- like or a, an injury just almost derailed a four team trade. in the Yeah. NBA. Like it's like you like you have to take care of your asset. And Jacob Chikrin, like if they play this right and it seems like they are, they're going to get just a, an absolute you know, and this is the technical term for it, a buttload of picks. Like, they are just going to get so... They're like going to get at futures. least four quality assets. They're going to get likely two first-round picks, a ta- like a like a blue-chip prospect, and maybe, like, a, like a decent, like, young, younger roster player, maybe. Like, or they could just get two, like, blue-chip prospects. Like, Jacob Chikrin, he's 24 years old. He is a right-shot defenseman, he has been he has managed to produce just put up like fantastic underlying numbers and just straight up raw box score numbers on like probably the worst roster of talent assembled in recent other than NHL Buffalo memory. in 2015 exactly other than the McEichel yeah. tank year and and he is also so he's 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 the most scarce asset in the league as a right shot defenseman he's 24 years old he's he's, he's like just now maybe entering his prime. Um, he is like, he, he logs 23 and a half minutes a night, 
for the worst team in the league and manages to produce a fantastic possession, you know, like like numbers and also scored nearly a point per game last year and has, is doing the same thing this year. Um, and he's also under contract for four point six million dollars for the next two years. So there's extra like like he he has everything. He checks every box of an asset, age, position, um, production and team team control and salary. Everything. He is like this is the prime asset. If the if the Coyotes play this right, they will get a massive amount. They could, they could get like a front like they could get the foundation of their rebuild in this deal, and like and and to keep him out is the smart is is remarkably smart. Yes, I think. Yes, I would and and I would say that like I think it's commendable, uh, especially because like if you look at it, most of the teams that are selling these assets, like they're not in a playoff push. So like you don't really have anything to lose by sitting them out. And so I, I think this is really well done by Arizona. Um, and I, I kind of hope that we see this maybe a little bit more because what I don't want is guys getting hurt. And then like, it just makes for a less interesting trade deadline. Speaking of less interesting, I want to play a fun hypothetical with you. Okay. Hit me. If you trade for a player within a month of the trade deadline, they don't count against your cap for the rest of that season. So, like, let's say Team X trades for Timo Meyer this year. He's going to be an RFA next year, right? Or he's RFA at the end of this year. He His yeah. salary does not count against the cap this year. That's, but if be, you want to sign great. him, he counts against the cap next year. So it's like basically you're allowing... You have to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, so, like, let's say a team wanted to acquire like Bo Horvat, for example. Mm. So then like the Canucks, instead of getting like Anthony Bavillier, maybe could have gotten like another pick or another prospect instead of Anthony Bavillier because they would not have had to worry about fitting Horvat under the cap. And then like in the summer when you can go 10% over the cap, there could, I just feel like it would create more player movement in season, like leading up to the deadline and then more player movement in the off season because then you have like oh, teams yeah. scrambling to be like, ah, what are we going to do? Exactly. Wouldn't it be kind of cool? It, I think it would be fantastic. I think anything that anything that produces more in-season movement. We just like look at what just happened with the NBA trade deadline. That was that was that was so wild. entertaining. Things happened like crazy, dude. Like the the equivalent of Kevin Durant getting traded at the, at the trade deadline is legitimately like if if it's like if dry if it's like if Leon Drysaddle. Yeah, that's exactly said, what like, I was I gonna say. Out. Is Drysaddle. Yeah, like, and, and there's no hyperbole in that. Like, that's literally like if Leon Dreisaitl tomorrow went to the Oilers and said, trade me, like, before the deadline, like, right now. Yeah, trade me immediately. And, trade me immediately. And that and that's after, like, Kyrie's not as good as McDavid. But, like, that's, like, that's after, like, a player, let's say, let's say, like, Leon Dreisaitl and, like. I feel like Kyrie Irving is, in general terms, and you'll know where I'm going with this, is very comparable to, like, JT Miller. <laughs> oh, I made that. I made that. Dis- I made that comparison on Twitter, and Canucks fans got really well, mad at me. And okay, I and they don't realize that I am nourished by their hatred, as we've said many times. But man, speaking um, of that, like, I'm literally turning replies off on my tweets again. I'm so sick and tired. Yeah, of yeah, people. don't. Yeah, like I just yeah, don't care. I, it's, but yeah, like I, th- yeah, I I'm with you. Like the player anything that movement, moves, right? Even if it's in season, even if it's not, even if it's not like the full cap it. Like maybe you don't want to say okay, like full cap it, but like. Maybe they only count account for fifty percent of what they would usually account for because then not only that, but like 
the the sellers have more incentive to trade them because then they may not have to take a bad contract back. You know what I mean? Like, I just think, I don't know, I'm trying to conceptualize, like, different ways to go about it. You still have the same amount of money in the league. It's not like the players are getting paid more or less. It's just that, like, some teams will be above the cap ceiling and some teams will be below the cap floor. And I don't necessarily think that's a problem for a month and a half of the season. Like, they're going to play... It's they're going to play... By the time the trade deadline hits, they're going to have, like, 20 to 25 games remaining. I don't think that that's a huge deal. Like, I think I think no. it's a good way to kind of not only encourage player movement, but then, like, think about, like, the arms race. It's like, okay, if I know that I can get these players, like, New Jersey would already straight up have Timo Meyer at this point. Like, Toronto would probably also have somebody else. Same with um, other teams that are going for it. Like, Tampa... I just I think it would create a ton of fun in season leading up to the deadline and then in the off season when it's like mayhem because teams have to scramble to get back under the cap. Exactly. Like that is any okay, I'm, anything that makes We got something here. <laughs> and I think we do. It's brilliant, Rachel. It's a brilliant idea. And I think that if I think if anyone Anything that creates more in-season player movement. Off-season is fantastic, and we see a lot of that. But, like, anything that creates more in-season trades, in-season player movement, where, like, a, where fans of a team go, oh, crap, we just got, we like, oh, crap, we just got, like, a, a star player, and then the next night we can see them suit up for, like, for my team. Like, that is, you get the instant gratification. Anything that does that is good for the league. And yeah, like you said, it creates an arms race. And then in the offseason, the teams that have sold these players who have the cap space now can go, hey, we'll help you out. And then it becomes a cycle, you know, of the teams help will help you out for the teams that, you know, just got these players and now have to do some cap gymnastics and basically have to do what the Golden Knights did this summer, which was like just trade Max Pacioretty for nothing uh, be, just to get $7 million <laughs> off the yeah. cap. Like, I think it's a great idea. Anything that creates that and, and shuffles more, especially because, and this is where something, you know, this happens in the NBA, and I think it's starting to happen more in the NHL, where the trade deadline is after the All-Star break. So all the best players, they all congregate in one place, and they all get to play together, and that also leads to players going, hey, we would really like for you to play for my team. Yeah. And I think that that's something that's happening with the Oilers and Eric Carlson. They're getting connected, and I do think, again, I don't have concrete information on this. So, like, this is not something I would tweet out. But I can say it on a podcast because who, who cares? We're 30 minutes into a podcast. Who knows? Um, but, like, I do think that, that like, McDavid and Dreisaitl, like, probably put the sell on uh, Eric Carlson at, at the All-Star game to be like, yo, so, come on. This is us. a great example of the hypothetical we just talked about. The Oilers should be able to acquire Eric Carlson. And not have him on their cap, but then like the scramble that would ensue in order oh. to get under the cap because he has years left on his contract would be incredible. Because he's at eleven point five million dollars a year for the next four years, and he's got like they got to figure that out. Like absolutely, yeah. It I would, would pay to watch that. Like that would be so fun, dude. That would be so. That would make everything so interesting if the Oilers with McDavid and Drysaddle were just like, screw it, let's add Eric Carlson to our roster for this season specifically with no cap sort of like uh, with no cap ramifications until the off season, it would maximize the um, maximize the, the return. It would like maximize you know, it would just the offense, maximize the offense, lead to a better product. Like everything would, it, it, everything works out. Could you imagine Eric Carlson throwing sauce to a streaking McDavid 
If Eric Carlson can throw sauce to a streaking Mike Hoffman, he can throw sauce to a streaking but like, McDavid. Think about how terrifying oh, it, it, that is. Oh, Rachel, it's getting me aroused just <laughs> thinking about it. But like, like you have it's to think, gonna make me act up. You have to think that like McDavid and Dreisaitl have asked for this, and yeah. like Edmonton does not. Like, if you look at Edmonton's roster, they do not need another dude. They need somebody who can move the puck accurately who can get the puck from tape to tape like make a play to capitalize on guys like mcdavid and dreisaitl who can just like fly right you don't need i don't i don't want to see edmonton acquire a defenseman who just bangs the puck off the glass that's not helpful it's just not and so for me i want to see somebody like eric carlson and if not eric carlson shane goss despair like to me, Shane Goss's bear like has a little bit been forgotten about in this whole Chikrin situation. Like we talked about how the Oilers should probably just acquire Jacob Chikrin, but like there are so many defensemen that it, it, honestly it'd be kind of funny if they acquired Tony D'Angelo because from a puck moving defenseman standpoint, he's exactly what they need. But like defensively, I mean John Tortorella said it best. Whereas like I think Eric Carlson, he just has the puck on his stick so much that really doesn't matter it, it makes up for and also that defensive. power play would be hilarious oh, it would be like a 60 percent power play like it would it's, be it would be crazy it's already 42 or something like that which is insane like you add eric carlson to to mcdavid dreisaitl hyman nuge or you know however like that's that's nuts but like i i remember the old guy boucher quote about like you spend 60 percent of the time working on your what makes yeah. you special right so edmonton what makes edmonton special Offense. Offense. It's not sure as heck ain't defense. It sure I'll tell is you not that. defense. And it sure is not goaltending. Um yeah. it's definitely not structure, that's for sure. But so if is there a better offensive player in the league than ninety seven? No. No chance, right? Not even close. Is there a better passer in the league right now than twenty nine? Probably not. Probably not, right? So if Edmonton leans in to what makes them truly special then Carlson is the guy that they go after. And you know what? It might cost you Tyson Berry and Yassi Puglia-Yarvi, but Yassi Puglia-Yarvi fits San Jose's timeline far more than whatever the hell Edmonton's doing with him. Um, and so right there, like, I think you've got something. Obviously, it's going to cost you probably at least Xavier Borgo in your first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't think Reed Schaefer's going to get it done, but... To me, instead of Edmonton acquiring defense, like defensive defensemen, like don't acquire Joel Edmondson. Don't acquire Vladislav Gavrikov. You don't. That's not what is going to make your team special. You need guys that can augment what McDavid and Dreisaitl are doing. And there is literally nobody better in the league right now on the back end than Eric Carlson for that. Yeah, he would be. He's. I also and I tweeted this like, it would be the funniest thing in the world if. The Edmonton media spent all season going, yeah, but Jacob Chikrin's defensive metrics, you know, like aren't aren't that good. So they, which is probably untrue, shouldn't trade for him. Yeah, which <laughs> is like p- patently false. But also, like it would be it would be hilarious if they they spent all season saying that and then turned around and friggin' <laughs> bent over backwards for Eric Carlson. And then turned around and got Eric Carlson, like the like basically the boogeyman that they'd be making out Jacob Chikrin to be. Like that would be hilarious. I I love that. Like, mad, like just adding Eric Carlson to a team with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl is just so, it's be so good for hockey. I would pay 
so much money to watch like three on three overtime. If you're Edmonton, it should be a league rule that those three have to start. Like it should just be a rule that, hey, you know what? You have these three sucks to suck. If you want to start somebody else, you have to start these three because for our product, this is what we need. Like think think about, first of all, just like how much of a chef's kiss of entertainment that would be. To watch those three in overtime, where it's just like positionless hockey, that would be that would be like 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 chill. Oh, yeah. I the more incredible. I want this, I don't know that it's gonna be feasible. At least in season, maybe in the off season, but like the fact that this is even remotely close to being on the table would be so so entertaining that like I just I really want it to happen. And also, like, I want to see McDavid in a cup final. Like, I just straight up do. So, I don't know what's going on in Edmonton, but I needed them to make it so that I get to see McDavid in a cup final. Because I think it's, frankly, a crime that we haven't. Yeah, and just, like, this would also just maximize Connor McDavid's prime. He's already had so much of his prime wasted. And so yeah, this would be a, on pace for 150 points this year. And like, they might not make the playoffs. They might not make it's the playoffs. Joke. Like, like if, if like legitimately, if the Oilers miss the playoffs this season with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl playing the, the way they, they are like, I'm going to, I'm going to like fist fight Ken Hall <laughs> and I'm not, an, and I'm not an Oilers fan. In fact, I don't like them very much. And yet like, we want them to succeed because we want to see McDavid play. Exactly. So, Make it happen. I hate ha- I hate this hard cap where we have to figure out like, okay, well, you know, the only way this can happen is like, is if they if San Jose agrees to retain fifty percent, like fifty percent, which is going to be absolutely like, there's no there's no way that they agree to that unless you are getting just. So the thing a about salary load. retention is like a lot of people are like, just retain, like just retain. When you're retaining four hundred thousand dollars of an eight hundred thousand dollar contract, that's fine. On an expiring one, no less. When you're retaining, like five point, it's like five point two two or seven five million million dollars. That is a call in this case to Hasso Plotner. You can't agree to retain fifty percent without calling your owner and being like, "By the way, Hasso, we are going to pay you are going to pay a player four more years." At $5.75 million to never step foot on our ice again. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the level of approval you have to get, especially when that much money is involved. That is not a Mike Greer decision. That is a Hasso Plattner decision, no matter what anybody tells you, because at the end of the day, Mike Greer is not the one cutting the check. Yeah. Right? You exactly. have to take that up the chain. And, and so, like... That's ignoring the cap implications. Like, yeah, I mean, the cap. That's a top six forward amount of money. Exactly. Like, that's. Yeah, that money could be used in a lot of different ways. And so it really just depends on what can be done. Um, I think it's it's really complicated. I could see a fashion where, like, Eric Carlson is retained 25% by one team and then another 25% by another team, and then maybe the Oilers get him, but, like, the assets they're going to have to expend to do that would would be worth it, but it would be a lot. Um, I mean, 
I think it's it's a cool hypothetical, and I really hope it happens because it's the the West is so wide open this year that like why not? Yeah, go for it. Um, anything else you want to touch on today, Rachel? No, I think we're good. No, I think we're good. Well, look, I think this. I I hope. I think by the time we we record our second of the week, we will be leading off with a Jacob Chikrin trade, which will I be think... a year and a half coming. Exactly. I like legitimately. I feel like. How has this not happened yet? <laughs> like this is insane. Um, and I'll be, not in Toronto when we record this podcast. So. That'll be fun. I'll be recording remotely. Cool. And I mean, hopefully we get some fun stuff to talk about because I do not want to be interrupting my plans <laughs> to be talking about more Jacob Chicken trade speculation. I better be able to talk about a trade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Rachel. I think it, we're, we're going to bid you farewell here. Um, if you would like to listen to this episode, this podcast, or past episodes of any podcast on the THN Network, Go to thehockeynews.com slash podcast. All of our archives are there. Rachel, I will see you on Friday. Bye, everyone. <laughs>